I'm excited to share with you today. I'm going to wrap this up today on the sovereignty of God. And next week, I'm launching out a new series called Endgame. And I believe it will be challenging and eye-opening for all of us. But today, we're going to end with the sovereignty of God. And we're going to just tag on last week. If you did not watch last week or listen, it's out on all of the social media channels. You can find it on YouTube, our website, uh, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you go, they'll be there, either audio or video. And my goal last week, I felt like there was still a little more nugget I needed to get out. So I'm just going to tag on to where we were. And my prayer is today, I, this is just an opinion. I think so many Christians believe in Jesus but don't understand what that means. Like we say we believe, or we even say things like this, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? And those kind of things that become religious, just things we say, but we never really ponder what it means for us. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? I hope to do that today, and I hope to challenge you if you are a Christian and believe in Jesus where your life needs to be headed. Here's last week. Give me an amen. amen. Humans are awful. I will not belabor that point, but you are. I am. We all are. Nobody's perfect. We all have junk in the trunk. I don't mean that like that, but just <laughs> junk. We just have junk. We got, we've got dirt. We've got lies. We've got past. We've got exes. We've got things we're ashamed of. Wish I could have, would have, go back and change it. And even on your best day, I said this. I won't belabor it, but I did mention it, even on your best day, you're about a hiccup and a burp away from awful. It just needs somebody to trigger you. You just need somebody. That can be, that can be somebody you don't like. It can be a post. It can be an event. It can be uh, the morning didn't go the way you wanted it to. The dog did something. The husband did something. The kid did something. So what I've learned about humans is even on our best day, we're about a trigger pull away from awful. And then because that is true, we get these religious things of after we're awful, we just say, okay, oh God, okay, God, just forgive me, I'm sorry. And we just kind of repeat that cycle. Awful, oh God, forgive me, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Awful, oh God, forgive me, I shouldn't have done that. Oh God, forgive me. And it just is this cycle of awful, please forgive me, Jesus. And then we even put bumper stickers on the car, be patient with me, God's not done with me yet. That sells better than get out of my way, I'm awful, you know. It's easier to put on your bumper. You know, my mother thinks I'm awful. That's nothing good on your bumper. And then we said this, that every human is on a spectrum of awful. And I gave you the worst awful I could think of. There could be more, but a pedophile, doggone pretty awful. And then there's perfectionists. Those are people trying to be better. And then there's the little line. And we said last week that that line hops around and it changes culturally. It's why I always joke that Lucy and Ricky on the Lucy, you know, the Lucy show, they didn't even sleep in the same bed and had little Ricky. Go figure that out. <laughs> but today, you turn on TV, you better make sure the children are in another room uh, because all we do is just move the line of awful so that really nothing's awful anymore. Everything now is acceptable because that red line is movable. So if you get enough awful people being awful, they just move the line so that they feel better about themselves. But that's the culture we live in. And whether we like it or not, we're all on the line somewhere. 
And typically, if we're more toward perfectionists, we're really good to judge the awful people. And, and as you know, perfection people, it's easy to talk about people on the other side of the red line. Well, if I was them, I can't believe they did that. But the reality is, if you even can't believe they did that, it doesn't negate that you yourself are awful. Because the whole line is awful. Not just beyond the red. This whole is a spectrum of just... And, and the way we know that is Jesus said to the most perfect group of people, the Pharisees, who kept every jot and tittle of all the rules they could keep. And this is what he said of them. You're of your father the devil. You're just a brood of snakes. <laughs> so even, even on the line of I'm a perfectionist, you still get labeled as, well, good, you're an awful perfectionist. You're a perfectionist who's still awful. Now, we play a game. The game that we play on this spectrum of awful is what not to do. So don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't hang around those that do, don't chew, don't look at porn, don't say bad things, uh, don't, don't cut people off. You know, whatever the don'ts are, life and life itself, so there's no God. We said that last week. Even if you don't believe in God, there's still this spectrum of awful that we all lump on and we have our don'ts. Everybody in the room has the don'ts. It's the things you don't want to do. Either your mother and dad raised you that way or your own moral code is, I would never. But then we have the do's. The things that we allow ourselves to do. And, and those are shocking because you'll meet some people and go, I don't understand how you do that. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about marriage issues and they were discussing should porn, pornography be part of the marriage? In other words, should a married couple to help their sex life look at pornography? And there was a whole section of people, absolutely you should do that. And there was another section of people going, are you an idiot? No, it's a hellacious journey. So see, even if we just look at something that basic of a marriage, can married people bring pornography to enhance their marriage, you're going to find people, yeah, sure, don't, we did, no, never, you can't be a Christian and do that, you're kidding me. And so what we do is all of us just kind of juggle our do's and don'ts. And we tolerate each other. Typically you'll hang out with the people that have the same do as you and avoid people that have the don'ts. Here's where it gets sticky, is that happens with or without God, but we Christians are in a religious game because we add in Jesus and the devil to this spectrum. So as long as you can stay on this side of awful, you kind of feel good about being a Christian. You read your Bible, you pray. And so us Christians have this little game and I got the devil up in the corner because the fight becomes, in Christianity, who do you listen to? Jesus or the devil? Jesus. And it just becomes this internal battle. I even heard somebody say, there, there, oh God, I just feel like the devil's all over me. The devil's just attacking me so hard. Because you see, if I can add the devil into it, I can avoid a lot of personal responsibility. I can just blame my hell on the devil, not the fact that it's probably me. So for a Christian, it makes the spectrum of awful better for us because if we're awful, it's the devil. Please get the devil off of me. Pray the devil away from me. And then if we're good, and maybe not real good, but if we're good, at least we feel kind of Jesus. Like, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. And then it goes back, well, it's a hellacious day. I lost my temper today. 
Oh, but I prayed and I asked God to forgive me. I almost killed my husband last night with a frying pan. <laughs> but I asked God to forgive me. I cussed out my boss and nearly lost my job. But I apologized. That's how it goes. Preacher, I just need you to pray for my kid. I know he's demon-possessed. I know it, I know it, I know it. Oh, God. And, and it's just that. That's Christianity. Just it's a, it's a good week. You went into Atlanta. God, my <laughs> You moved to Temple. It's better. The further away from Atlanta you get, the devil doesn't quite come this far out. He sort of lives somewhere in Midtown. Stay away from Midtown. But that's how it's played, and that's Christianity. And you want to know why people who aren't Christians think we're weird? Because we're on the same spectrum of awful that they are, but we're blaming God and the devil for everything. When in reality, if I just take God and the devil out... A lot of what we say is the devil is just nothing more than our own ignorance, our own irresponsibility. We brought it on ourselves. We did it ourselves, but it makes me feel better that I'm an immature little, little nutcase called Mark, but in my immaturity, I'm going to blame it on the devil so Robin thinks better about me. Versus just, I was a jerk and I'm sorry. The devil had nothing to do with it. It was just me. He's probably busy in, in Midtown. He doesn't have time to come out, right? <laughs> Like, just be honest. I don't waste my time here, but be honest. There's no way the devil can hit all of us at the same time because he's not omnipresent. He has to be in one place at one time. So if all of us are blaming him, somebody's lying. And I don't know anybody in the room, and myself included, that the devil woke up and thought, man, you're danger. I better take you out today. So the reality of a lot of the spectrum of awful is much more personal responsibility. You didn't own the responsibility of what you say you believe about Jesus. And so you're held accountable for it. You pay a price. I'll tell you why I think that's true in a minute. Now here's something interesting. As we go back and forth, back and forth, my thought. Many Christians never have a life with Jesus apart from the spectrum of awful. What I just showed you in my experience as a pastor is that's the majority of Christians and how they live. I have to read my Bible to keep the devil off of me or whatever. However that works out, I'm just I'm saying my experience. I've never done stats on it. But my experience is, and myself included, most Christians just live on a spectrum of awful, trying to keep the devil off their back, trying to be better than somebody else, and trying to make God happy. That's kind of religion. And no wonder in America, not many churches are filling up with people because who wants to live that? I can live that without bringing God into it. Why would I want to participate in this thing of religion and play this game with everybody and have to feel like you're judging me and I'm judging you and we're all judging the devil? So I wrote this scripture out in Colossians. If you want to turn there, I would highly recommend you do turn there, for, even though I have it on the TV. 
And the reason being is you need to see it in your own Bible with your own eyes to where you can keep it. I remember what that looks like. I have an old Bible that I preach out of. I do the TV now, but the Bible that I use, I, I often say I don't know chapter verse. I, I wish I did. My mom can. I just I don't have the brain to chapter verse it. I can do John 3.16 because I watch football. But I don't... <laughs> I just don't have that gift. I, I admire people that do. They kind of make me jealous. But the gift I do have is, hey, that scripture that I'm talking about is on this page down at the bottom highlighted in pink. It's right there. I can see it, right? So that's kind of this game we play. Now this spectrum of awful is played back and forth between me and the devil. But I want to read that scripture to you again. Listen to it. For He has rescued, that's Jesus. He has rescued us. Does that sound like He's leaving you somewhere? He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He, here He comes, hear Him? There He went. I love when God shows up and gives an object lesson. He rescued us. Wee! There you go, right there. Did you go with Him? <laughs> For He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So whatever Jesus is doing to us, with us, it's a transfer portal. Everybody watching football ought to understand that. You were on one team and you got transferred to another team. So rather than thinking spectrum of awful and I'm just hopping back and forth, you got to think, from one spectrum of awful transferred to another spectrum. And that becomes the challenge. Because to stay in the spectrum of awful is nothing more than religion. There is nothing in the Bible that teaches us that the spectrum of awful is where you should stay. Yet we love to stay there because it's religion. We love to live there because it's, it's what we're birthed into when it's religious. You're just a terrible, awful human that's bouncing between the devil and Jesus and good days and bad days. And though that is a truth, it's not biblical. Biblical is He rescued you. He, Jesus, rescued you from the kingdom of darkness. Now, if the Scripture had have stopped there, it would still be true you're on the spectrum of awful. But the Scripture said, He rescued you from the kingdom of awful and translated you into the kingdom of His dear Son. You're not awful, you're free. Did you get that? You're not awful, you are free. That is the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. This right here is 90% of Christianity. They don't have a clue that they're free. They just believe in their head. They pray to prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I don't want to go to hell. Come in my heart and be Lord of my life. And then we all clap. Yay! And then we spend our life trying to keep you on this side of, the, this side of awful. And what we don't teach people is the moment you say, Jesus, Mark is awful and I cannot fix myself. 
I have checked boxes till I'm blue in the face. Jesus, take all of me. I'm letting go. And Jesus says, really? You want me to rescue you? Yes. I want to be rescued out of this spectrum of awful and I want to be transferred into a new spectrum. And Jesus goes, oh, okay. And he takes my life and he transfers me into another world. He transfers me into another kingdom. And here's the thing about his spectrum. It is bipolar opposite of this spectrum. It's not even in the same realm. It is so far. And it is just, once we talk about it today, you say, talk about it, I thought we are. No, not yet. We're, we're just working our way up. Because I'm telling you, in the nicest way I can, and again, I, I'm always talking to Mark, the hardest thing is to get out of this system of awful and live free. How? Because the challenge is in the spectrum of awful, in the spectrum of awful, there's all the do's and don'ts and the boxes I can check. Yes or no? Yes. You'll check them to feel better about yourself. But in the new world, in the kingdom of His dear Son, this is going to be shocking. It will be shocking. It will tell where we are in the spectrums. In this new kingdom and new world, there are no check boxes. And this is going to sting. There are zero rules. And that blew me away because there has to be rules. And the reason there has to be rules, we're awful. No, Mark, there's no rules. You're free. You don't have to live rules and laws to try to keep the devil away from you. He's been defeated. You don't have to have rules and checkbooks because the Pharisees had all that and I still called them awful. So when I made you free, there's no more rules. And that blows a religious person's mind. I don't have to read the Bible? Nope. I don't have to pray? Never. I don't have to quit smoking and drinking? Nope, nope, and nope. There are no rules. You have been translated out of awful into a new realm. So then what does that mean for me? Because what it says is, I can't be free because I'm still awful. So I'm closing up not awful. Jesus says you're not awful, you're brand new. God didn't take a couch and recover it. He booted the old couch out and bought a brand new couch. This thinking is he just re-upholstered your mess. But internally, you're still a rotten old couch. He just covered me and made me smell better. This is a whole new lazy boy showed up. Brand new. Now, we know this is true because we all say, have you been born again? What does that mean? Brand new. Born again, I came off the spectrum of awful and I got born. First time I was born into the spectrum of awful. My mother went, and I'm in the spectrum of awful. 
But then when I got, and this is Nicodemus's issue, how can a man, I don't even know what that means to be born again. I go back up into my mother's womb. No, you must be born again. I'm trying to get you to see that old Nicodemus is dead and there will be a new Nicodemus that will arise. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. And that is such a difficult concept when you're born into a spectrum of awful. I can't be free. I'll tell you why that's true. Why many people can't be free. They don't trust themselves. Literally, they don't trust themselves. You leave them alone for a period of time. They're looking at porn. Leave them alone. They're getting drunk. We don't trust ourselves. So when we don't trust ourselves, what do we do? We make... He goes, argh. I put that up there. That was pretty good, wasn't it? I forgot I put that up there. But last night I was thinking, I bet this makes the devil mad. Arg. He doesn't want you free. He wants you on the spectrum of awful. But Galatians 5.1, Christ set us free. To add more rules? No. He set me free to live a free life. So take your stand and never again let anybody put a harness of slavery on you. Never. You mean to tell me I can be a Christian and smoke? Yep. I can be a Christian and drink? Yep. I can be. You mean to tell me that? Yes, there's no rules. Then, then my God is a free-for-all then. I love it. I can be both awful and safe. No, no, no. That's where you're losing it. Because if you're free, you're free from all the want-tos. If you're really free... You're not thinking, you mean I can be a Christian and still get drunk? Sure you can. But if you've really been born again, you won't want to. You can, but a new person doesn't need that anymore. The old spectrum, I needed a little hit to take the edge off. I needed a little gummy to take the edge off. But in this new spectrum of life, I don't need all the stuff I needed in that other spectrum because I, here's where it gets interesting, I am free. You mean I can say anything I want, still live like a jerk? Yes, you can. But if you've been born again, the old is gone and you won't want to. So if you're sitting here calling yourself a Christian, but you want to go to the club and back that thing up, and you, you, you want to sleep around with people, you want to have sex with your girlfriend, you want to dabble in pornography and say it's okay because it's not real... If you want to do all that, I would just simply say in the nicest way, you might want to check to see if you've been born again. You might be saved mentally. I just don't want to go to hell. But you might not have been converted. There's a big difference in Christian and converted. Christian is, I can say all the right things, hallelujah, praise the Lord, pray for the meal, take your hat off. But converted is, I'm not even the same human. I'm not even the same person. So this is the spectrum you should be living on, the spectrum of freedom. It took me years to get on this spectrum. And I grew up in church. And my Christianity was nothing more, oh God, I forgot to read my Bible. Oh oh God, you know, in my younger years, I'm not saying this is true, right, but... In my younger years, I dabbled in porn a little bit here and there. You know, in my 20s, and 
just the temptations of it. And I dabbled in drinking and things like that. And, and uh, you know, it was always, okay, don't have to, don't, I'm not going to drink ever. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to look at porn ever. I can do this. I can do it. I can do it. And I would, I would, I'd make it about four months and be so happy. I have been four months. Whew, I feel so good. And then all of a sudden, just a meltdown, I, I looked at something and I felt so defeated. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I had four months clean. I, yeah, and it was just this battle. Until I realized maybe I was a Christian, but I wasn't really free. And that, that bothered me. Like, free? Because when I, I'm, I don't give you the scripture, but I'll tell you where it's at. I think I did put it in here. I read a scripture in relation to the Holy Spirit that says, in relation to the Holy Spirit, there's no rules. And I realized my problem was I had a relationship with the do's and the don'ts, but not a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I'll tell you something. If you have a relationship with Him, He'll go, don't do that. Yes, sir, you got it. You don't have to check the box. You just need to know Him. See, the reason we're checking boxes, I don't know His voice. The reason I have to check boxes, I'm not intimate with His Spirit. So I have to have my boxes and I stay bound in religion. But when I let my boxes go and go, Holy Spirit, I just want to know You. I want to know Your voice. I want to know what makes You happy. I want to know what pleases You. You just talk to me and let me know. This is what my mother taught me. She said, a Christian that knows the Holy Spirit, He will not let them willingly sin. He will keep you from it. Why do you think Jesus said, lead me not into temptation? Because he knew the Spirit could lead you around it versus you just going through it with check boxes. Oh, here comes that temptation. Well, you could go around it if you'd listen instead of just headlong bump into it and then forgive me, I messed up again. So I titled this The Brand New Life. I want to teach you briefly. And then next week, the end game, we were going to take the shovel and dig a cavern with it. Here's how it starts and why it's frustrating. It starts, I get on the new spectrum and I'm born again. And we clout for you. You get a t-shirt. We, we keep records. We, we post online. Somebody gave their heart to Jesus. We even say it that way. Somebody gave their life to Jesus. Somebody said yes to the Lord. We call them altar calls. I love what somebody said one time. An altar call is not an altar call at all if it doesn't alter your call. Like you can come up here all day long, but if you don't go out different, it wasn't an altar call. You just showed up to a little one-foot platform and prayed a prayer, but it didn't change anything. So when Jesus says born again, the reason that terminology is used is Jesus is thinking, I'm pulling you out of a spectrum from a father of the devil. John 8, he's your father. I'm taking you from his fatherhood to my fatherhood, his spectrum to my spectrum, your awful to my freedom. And that is the gospel. Yeah. And, it, and it's difficult to play out. But we all started the same place. And we were babies. Even though we were born again, there was still the spectrum of awful that showed up. It, it, because when you're born again, you've got to learn to think differently, act differently. You've got to learn to know Him. And you don't know Him. You're a baby. It's why being in community with other mature Christians helps. Because you can say, how did you conquer that? 
Well, then you, get, you, you kind of move down the spectrum, and now you're a Christian. You've been there about four months, but you're still carnal. You still slip up and cuss a little bit. You still have some Bud Light. I don't know why that tastes like pee, but you have it in the fridge. You got that in the refrigerator. You're, you're, you're a Christian. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying you're a Christian, but there's still some carnality. You still cuss a little bit, give the middle finger, still lose your temper. That's, that's okay because you're learning a spectrum of freedom. You're learning how to be free. And then you, you just have messy. You're, you're a little further. Now you've been saved about three years. But how many of you know three-year-olds still can make a mess? Leave a three-year-old long enough and you'll come home. There will be a mess. Now the problem is, is I want you born again and I want you acting great. No. Born again means a new life. And a new life means you got to have some years behind your belt before you're probably mature. Does anybody in this room expect the kids in the nursery to act more wise than you? No. Every one of us, if I brought a nursery kid up age four and I brought an adult up, I said, I'm going to challenge both of you to see who wins. I guarantee 100% confidence. I'm taking this kid out. <laughs> Ask me anything, preacher. I'm ready. Ask me anything. Anything you want. I think I could take a four-year-old out. I know. I've got... And the reason you're so confident... You probably would feel dumb standing up here like, what do they think, I'm dumb? Because here you've lived long enough that surely you know more than a four-year-old. If you don't know more than a four-year-old, then you have to check a box that you need help. So as you get older, probably year six, seven, eight, and in, in being born again, you've been born again about eight years, we all have the struggle bus. Anybody ever been on that one? Some of you need to get off. <laughs> You've made it your home. But we all know, even if you love Jesus, you're on a struggle bus. You have good days and bad days and fleshly days and happy days. And that doesn't mean that you're bouncing between the devil and Jesus. It means that you're maturing. I will say this, if you've been saved eight years and still act like a baby, you need to check yourself. If you go to the doctor, we had Victoria Kate, and they measured her head when she was a baby, and they said, oh gosh, she has an abnormally large head. And her mother said, well, so does her father. Look at the forehead. My forehead's the biggest, like a nine head. And they said, well, we got to do something because she could be having some brain issues. And my, my wife's like, no, I'm telling you, her father, he's got a big head. And so my wife calls me. The doctor won't even let Robin leave. She calls me from work and says, you have to come up to the doctor's office now. I said, why? She said, the doctor wants to measure your head. I said, I'm not coming from work to let some physician measure my head. No, Mark, he needs you here. He says he wants to. I said, I'm not coming in. I guess this was how important it was. She said, if you'll come, he'll measure your head in the parking lot. <laughs> it's honest truth. So I leave work. I'm thinking now, my kid, my kid's sick. What's wrong with my kid? My kid's got a big head, water head. Oh, God, what if there's a brain? What I, I'm just, and so I drive up the parking lot, and Robin and Victoria Kate are standing there with the doctor, and they come out, and I'm still in the car, and the doctor, this is honest, the doctor has a tape measure. I roll down my window, stick my head out. 
Honest to God truth. I know people rode by and thought there was a drug deal going on. I know they thought that boy's getting some medicine here. I, I never had a drive-up doctor before. I stuck my head out. He measured my head. He looked at it and he went, hmm. And then he looked at Robin and said, can I measure your head? And Robin said, yes. And she measured Robin's head. And she said, well, your head's bigger than his. Come on, dude. <laughs> That's the only time in 33 years of marriage I was like, yes, I want to fight. <laughs> My point was, <laughs> I sometimes just get riled up. My point was that that doctor measured something that should have been normal, expected, and when it wasn't, there was a crisis. Yeah. I'm simply saying if you've been 10, 15 years confessing a Christian and you still are a baby carnal mess, you might want to check your health spiritually because you're not growing, and if you're not growing, you're sick. And if you're still struggling with the same demons you struggled with 10 years ago, you're probably sick. And you've tolerated them rather than found freedom. Yes, Philippians 3, 8, everything else is worthless when compared to the infant value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. There's the check boxes. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for that's God's way of making us right with Himself, and that depends on faith. So the spectrum of freedom is, it's a becoming one with. You remember I said it's not checking boxes, it's the longer you've been saved, you're melding into becoming one with Him. You see, He lives on the inside of you. That's the difference. The checkbox mentality is God's out there and I'm checking boxes. But the freedom mentality is the reason I said there's no rules and that bothers people is because in the born-again mentality, Christ's Spirit lives in you. And to me, if you know Him and He lives in you, you don't need boxes, you just need to listen. This is why Revelation says you want to overcome, you better listen. It didn't say check boxes, it said listen. And do you know what I found out, my own testimony with people? Is that many people don't know His voice. They don't know what He sounds like. They don't understand His Word. They, so they just live on the spectrum of awful and they're never free because my belief is the church has done a poor job teaching people that Christ lives in you and He dwells in you, and He wants to talk with you. We sing it if you're a Baptist, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, like He's there. My mother told me years ago, I was 16 and I was going out the door. I guess she knew I was going to do something not right. So as I'm walking out the door as a teenager, she said, Hey, I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit goes with you. Ah, oh, that messed my whole night up. I was hoping he'd stay in the bedroom and just let me go. Because I knew what me and Joey and David were going to do. We were going to go get beer and get drunk and hang out in the woods. And 
And so that was her word. She said, I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit goes with you. And I said in the kind way to my mother to respect her, yes, ma'am. And I, I'm still walking to my car. You ready for what she said next? I just want you to know he talks to me and he'll tell me what you do. But do you know what I learned? She was right. Because my mother wasn't checking boxes. She was spending time with the Savior. She wasn't checking boxes. She was talking to Him all day long in her prayer life, her worship life. She was spending time with Him in the Bible, getting to know His thoughts and His ways. She was communing with Him in her prayer closet. She would ride down the road and my dad would ride down the road and listen to the Bible on tape. It was so irritating. Like, well, just that's all you listen to. He said, I'm just getting to know the Lord. My counsel, Galatians 5.16, I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to get ready for communion. My counsel is this, Paul says, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. And then here it comes. You won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there's a root of self-interest in all of us that's at odds with the free spirit just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. I'm going to end here. For these two ways of life are contrary to each other so you can't live at times one way and at other times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why, listen, why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and you can escape those erratic compulsions I wrote this down. The real challenge of a brand new life is that I'm going to trust me. And if I trust me, am I going to trust Him? Because the Bible says there's two ways of life in this freedom. You can either trust yourself or you can trust Him once you're born again. If I trust me, I trust myself, I'll make rules and I'll become religious again. And I'll spend my whole life checking boxes. But if I trust Him and get to know His Spirit, spend time with Him, pray with Him, get in community with other people that know Him, read His Scriptures, talk to Him, I will know Him. And if I know Him, I have a relationship. And if I have a relationship with the one that lives in me, I'm free. Because He will talk to me. He will walk with me. So this is what I've learned. I hope it helps you. When somebody says on this spectrum of freedom, hey... How did you get rid of the porn? How did you get rid of anger? How did you get... I just answered, uh, well, I can't. I had to come to the place of I can't. I can't. Just say right now, I can't. Because every time you check a box, you'll fail the box. Every time. And if you get a bunch of boxes, you'll feel good about yourself, but you still can't. So I had to learn to say this. I can't, but I know a guy. Come on. I can't bring myself freedom, but I know a guy that can. I can't bring myself peace, but I know someone who can. I cannot do this thing called life, but I know somebody who can. And I'm going to live in Him. I'm going to listen to Him, commune with Him. And in that, there's great freedom. Stand up with me and let me pray for you. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Bow your heads if you will. I want to challenge you with something. Knowing Him doesn't happen by just going, all right, I'm going to know Him today. 
It's a lifelong journey. I was talking to my mother yesterday and she said, son, I'm 84. She said, in all my years of studying the Bible, spending time with God, communing with Him, she said, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know Him because He's so unfathomable. Your whole life, Mom, and you still say, there's so much more to know. So, Father God, today, I pray that Believer's Church would be filled with people that quit checking the box and start living free. And we become truly born again. Now what that means, just quickly, that means you got to get up, read your Bible. Well, I don't understand it. Find somebody that does call them and say, hey, I need help. Watch some videos. Get in a community of people that believe. Find someone older than you and say, will you mentor me? Will you help me? Will you show me how to hear? Will you show me how to know His voice? Will you show me how to understand? Get in a B group where other people can help you. Like, it is a lifelong journey. It's not coming to church and then hoping you have a good life. Giving your money and an offering and hoping your life goes well. The thing is, you have to know Him and in knowing Him, you'll find freedom. So Father, bless this day. As you come to these communion tables today, I pray you let go of checking boxes and you pray a prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. I want to be born again. I want to get out of the spectrum of awful and get into the spectrum of freedom. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, today I make a choice. I choose Jesus because I cannot keep my own morality making my own rules but I know he can and I choose to trust him I call him the savior I say he's my lord Holy Spirit come into my life now and walk with me and guide me and teach me and I will listen show me those that I can connect with that in this journey I may become a mature, believing Christian. In Jesus' name. Let me, come on, give God a praise. Hallelujah.